0: episode 17 of inside the table a tabletop rpg talk show a show in which we talk about the craft of tabletop role-playing games my name is molly you can follow me at minor underscore lenahan and my pronouns
1: are he him and joining me today is my co-host hello my name is cole you can follow me at Ice Cold Brew. My pronouns are he, him, they, them. Uh,
0: today we have a very special segment, which is an interview with uh, with um, uh, Austin Ramsey uh,
1: about Beam Saber and KalazCon. We should be very clear: award-winning game designer and writer for Beam Saber, Austin Ramsey.
0: Yes, yes, People's Choice Award winner from from Dicebreaker, and yes, it's a we 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 have already done that. Spoilers. Um, and it was a very fun interview. So I I look forward to showing that off and for showing that off to you. But you're gonna have to wait, listener. <laughs> 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 a terrible trick I have played on you, listener. Uh, right now I'm gonna ask Cole, what's been inspiring you lately? What's what's been checking you out? What's been checking you out?
1: What have you been checking out? Well, what's been checking me out? Hopefully, is my uh fiance. Congratulations. Any other uh, lovers and or paranormal beings, keeping an eye on me. But, Wait, uh, how
0: many lovers do you have? Hold
1: on. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> no fewer than one. Okay, good. Safe answer. No <laughs> <laughs>
0: fewer than 20. Wait, that's bad. How does no fewer... Never mind, continue.
1: But, uh, yeah, no, um what I've been up to outside of uh, tabletop stuff and work Mm -hmm. I've been checking out a few games you actually sent me a game on my birthday which I I got to check out called Card Shark uh, published by Devolver Digital who uh, I pushed out a lot of very fascinating games and it is a very interesting game about cheating and cheating to win Um, you play as a as a shock yeah basically you play as like a I'm still in the very beginning stages of it but you uh you join a uh Romani group who uh under the guidance of a person known as the Comte of Saint uh Germain, who is a notorious card shark who teaches you how to cheat to win, you start off as a servant working in a tavern, uh, and have to skip town because the owner gets shot during a dispute when the take gets caught cheating. And along the way, you get to learn all these different tricks and hands in order to play cards better and to learn how to outsmart your opponents and earn more money from them. And it's a very big game about memory and mm-hmm. uh different sequences and different mechanics to a bit of a frustrating degree. Yeah. And there is still the there's, like, the Disaster Gatherer or something like that. That's one of the... Uh, oh, you remember uh, it, though. Yeah, I remember the name <laughs> of it. But it's one of these, like, card sorting techniques where, like, you gather the cards in a certain way. Mm. And so whenever I want to pick up and give a card that's very strong to uh one of the folks with me, uh, in order to pick up the card on the far right and give it to him in the fourth position, mm. uh, you have to go right to... You have to swipe right, on the thumbstick and yeah. the thumbstick will go, okay, you want to go left to right. And
2: yeah. it's
1: taken me so long to keep that in my head because I keep doing the ops. I'm like, okay, I want to give the right card last. So I'm going to go left to right. So I put my thumbstick to the left to go right. Yeah. It's frustrating.
0: And then there's, there's, cause I, I play, I don't, I don't have this game, but I played the demo of it and I was, I was amazed by it. Um, there's like another thing where you have to like show what, what, uh what card suit it is and you can either rub up or down left or right or Mm -hmm. clockwise or anti-clockwise to say a specific suit and when i played that i was similarly like oh what which fucking way and i ended up like literally getting out a pen and paper and then drawing little diagrams in order to remember each of these things and i would just like while i was quickly playing because along with everything else you also have like a timer like, mm-hmm. if you take too long doing things, people get suspicious of you. Yep. And just, like, looking between all these things and doing that,
1: it's 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 a deeply frustrating game. But, man, I like it. <laughs> it's so much fun. But, yeah, no, it gets worse at a point. there. And, like, I can say it's because it's like an hour into the game you get to this part. Mm. An hour, maybe two hours if you take a long time to practice like I do. But there is one part of the game where the trick is you pour a glass of wine for your partner, for your accomplice, and they give you a spare deck to uh, hmm. pull favorable cards out, and you set that up. Oh! And then after that round, you have to go back. You have to remember what cards you pulled out, so you can replace. Uh, make sure you pull them out again and put them back in the other deck.
0: Yeah, yeah. Fuck that game. <laughs> I like. It, I know I gave it to you as a gift, and I know I, it's really good. But honestly, fuck that specific mini game. It was very frustrating. I'm going to beat it out of
1: spite. I don't care how often I need to cheat <laughs> to win. I w- this is your Dark Souls. This is my Dark Souls. I am in. <laughs> I am entering my gamer moments. <laughs> I'm a hardcore gamer now. I play Card Shark. Yeah, it's hard.
0: Um, wh- one thing I really liked about it, one thing that struck with me, I'm not really sure if you've you've gotten like far enough in to get this, is that like once you succeed and once you got enough money out of um like particular like set so you, you you win enough uh things is you get the story moments and it's mm-hmm. like one of those things that i just really like is just like okay i can find out the history of whatever this this conspiracy that we're unearthing is is going on and like that bit was what really grasped me more than like the the difficult cards midi games and have, have you come across
1: any of those yet not yet uh okay. i think Like gameplay wise, if I take away all my practice, I think I'm hitting the hour mark Yeah, and I'm still like exploring and finding new areas right now. I think that's a big thing for me.
0: I like it. It's like it's similarly that in Pentiment, which I've also been playing recently, are about like exploring a specific time period and like checking out different people. It's like said in Revolutionary, um, uh, Revolutionary France. And so you get to meet like uh, I was going to say Liberace. I don't think that's right. Uh, that poet guy, what's that guy? The guy who's who's indecent and such. Uh, but I don't know a bunch of a bunch of very important French people during the 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 French um, resistance. And you're like going through there just before all this happens. And it's kind of implied you're like setting up uh, the revolution. And like that part of the game is just great. And again, I only played the demo, so only like a, a couple hours in or something like that. But that was just incredible. So I, I hope you stick with it and get past all the shitty things. Make copious notes just so you can enjoy the really great part of the game, which is the story rather than the actual mini games. Mm-hmm. So I hope that goes well.
1: Absolutely. Speaking of games, I need to take copious notes in. Yeah. I've also started playing Suzerain. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. It's a political simulator, (laughs) and boy, yeah, does everything feel like a wrong decision, no matter what I do.
0: Yeah, so that's that's the democracy simulator,
1: right? Basically, it is the like political simulator. You are elected president of a country that has just gotten out of civil war. Congratulations! Just had a president who could not fulfill campaign promises and drove the country into a recession after doing a. Planned market economy scheme. And so you have to make your stances on a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, for mine, it was like, uh, okay, well, I'll give some credit. I'll go to a free market plan to make people happy. But yeah. I'm going to still relax my uh, borders for immigration because my character let people through because, you know, they're trying to fucking run from a very unstable place as well. Yeah. And it helps out the other countries around me too to do that and, you know, encourage trade. Uh, that still pissed a lot of people off. Don't get me wrong. And then it's like, well, I want to improve healthcare, so we're going to put money into that. I, I'm, i like, negative three into the government budget right now.
0: Yeah. Oh, <sighs> How do you- what are the- how do you do bad things? How do you- how do you get budget back, I guess?
1: There's some stuff where, like, it will pay off in the long term, but, like, there are some things I had to do where, like- And I hated doing this, but it's was like- Okay, well, I said I was going to improve healthcare, and unfortunately, in order to improve healthcare, to um get more money also for the government so I can do other stuff, I need to privatize the healthcare program, even though all the rural areas are not getting enough healthcare, so I need to make sure they have hospitals being built out there, and then staff to be out there. So yes, I have to privatize, it's just like, no that doesn't work out and then you have uh your own party going wait no we want everything conservative we want everything like back to normal we don't want you to do this i'm like if we do nothing we're gonna lose the election anyway and they're like no 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 you need to do it our way i'm like yeah brother is it frustrating
0: is it like how do you feel about this like as as a leftist who sort of like playing this kind of game. Uh, how do you how how are you enjoying this? Is it sort of interesting to explore or is it just like, man, this is hard for doing this, doing this situation?
1: It it's fascinating to explore. Mm. And I think if there's anything I wish I could do, I wish I could delay decisions and focus on other stuff quickly. But mm. it's realistic in that you don't get to delay decisions. Sometimes you have to make it quickly because that's in your schedule and you have to go now. Yeah. Uh I think there was like only one part I looked up and it was like how to get my boats and I, when I read that part I was like oh I have already fucked up. Wait, how to get your boats? Uh votes, yeah, cuz you're trying to change the oh, constitution. Votes. Okay, I
0: thought you said boats. I'm like how does that come into a democracy? Like what are you going to do with
1: like a sailing boat? Well, well, there there's also the part of the play the game where you can just straight up take bribes and get your own boat. Okay. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I looked online and it's just like, yeah, all these people have like very different styles of play. And they all have like the perfect game plan to lead the country. If you want to go far right, fascist tyrant, far left fa- yeah. Uh, tyrant. Um, <laughs> yeah. Antifa. Antifa. Uh, you want to you want to run a socialist society. You want to run a communist society. You want to run a monarchy. Stuff like that. And like, you know, what to do for each of the countries and all that. And it's like all. Written out and planned, and that's because this game I think came out in like 2020 or something like that. Oh, I remember hearing about it on Waypoint a while back. I remember, yeah, it, yeah, it came out December 4th, 2020. I was pretty yeah. on the mark with that. I'm impressed with my own memory. Yeah, well done. It's a very interesting game. Definitely take advantage of the notes option that they give you. And uh, mm-hmm. I will never stream this game ever. Why not? One, it's it is boring to just watch someone play. No one,
0: it's so boring, I hate playing it. But number two, <laughs> there is
1: so much text and no voice acting, so you would just be reading yeah. the entire time. Yeah. Which, some people can make that fun, I can't. Yeah.
0: You would lose your voice, I feel like. hmm I want it, because I'm like, as a person who's played, like, not many strategy games, like I've played um, Age of Empires when I was a kid and I hated it. Um, and I've also played, uh, Crusader Kings 3, um, which is a great game, but it really encourages you to be an absolutely awful person and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm curious about this. I'm curious how I would feel like playing a game where I'm playing, like, struggling to run a democracy, struggling to do this thing, struggling to do kind of like radical things and like help people out while also seeing corruption seeping into me. Because I've heard of like things like Victoria 3 where, like, there's, like, forum posts or something where people said, like, hey, communism is fucking busted. Like, people just do really good. Like, as soon as you do this, it just works out. And I'm just like, ha-ha, yes, then communism is good. Maybe we should do that more. And I'm wondering how that would compare to, like, something like this, where it's, it seems very, <laughs> like, a bummer, <laughs> I guess. Speaking of games with too much writing um, that are probably terrible to stream, I've been, I've been checking out Pentiment which is is probably one of my favorite games of the year,
1: mm-hmm. given
0: that it is currently the 10th of January for me um, and it's great. It's like the new obsidian game where you are a detective in the, uh, the in medieval times um, it is uh, really good. It's like a really interesting like way of approaching. Uh role-playing games, um, in that it it does a thing that a bunch of like really good role-playing games have been doing recently, which is no combat, really. You just kind of make choices and stuff kind of happens. Um, it was very inspired by Disco Elysium and so forth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and yeah, it's just like a really fun approach to to detective games that I've just been incredibly enjoying. Um, and like it's it's maybe like so many games that I play, I'm just like, oh my god, what if you this was a tabletop RPG! And so I've been playing, like, Pentiment, and just, like, seeing the lessons it does and seeing, like, the way it approaches, like, time and how, like, it jumps between different, you know, periods of time and whatnot. Um, And sort of seeing how characters and communities develop and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so much fun. It's, like, a lot of reading, but it's just, like, it's got these moments where you're just like, oh, I'm so... Like, one of my favorite moments is when you get, like, woken up in the middle of the night by, like, the little girl who lives in the house that you're, like, staying at the bed and breakfast. Um, And then you get to say whatever you like to this kid. Like, get out of here. Like, get out of here. Like, go back downstairs. Stop poking me. You're being so rude to me. Or you can be like, I'm going to tell you a story so you can sleep better. And then it, it sort of jumps forward in time later on, and you sort of approach, and you come back to that girl, and she only remembers one thing about you, which is the story you told that night. And it's just like, oh, oh my heart. And just seeing this stuff and like the little decisions you make and all this sort of stuff. And it's deeply sad because again, you're solving a murder mystery. And so occasionally you make the wrong call and the wrong person gets punished, and you just like, fuck, I really fucked up. And then you sort of like role-play that thing and seeing your character being distraught. Um and so I'm incredibly enjoying it. I think as for you as someone who's 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 getting into like Got into like Disco Elysium and stuff like that. It's like, what if, what if Disco Elysium was slightly chiller and you learned a lot more about history and such? And it's really a great way into history. It's like, mm. like I was saying with Card Shark. It's like, I want to like know history through fun characters and to sort of, like learn it. Um, and it has less frustrating characters than Card Shark. Yeah. Um. It is great. It is like one of the one of the best detective games I've played and I'm extremely excited for what Obsidian is up to because they're, they're doing that and it's good and they're going to make a new game eventually and that's going to be good. Josh Sawyer, who's the not the narrative designer, but I think like game director maybe is working on it and he did a really good job. He's very good at games. um. So check out Pantamon. All right. Um, and also, I've got one thing that's on both our lists, which is Glass Onion, which we saw. What were your thoughts on Glass Onions? No spoilers, I guess, because it's only come out recently.
1: It, it did, but it's now available on Netflix as well, too, if people want to watch it from there. Mm. But it is so much fun. I mm. have had a huge laugh watching it. I, Holly and I sat down, watched it together, and we enjoyed uh just... All the little gimmicks and all the little tricks of the camera they do. Um, mm. Janelle Monet is a fantastic actress and mm-hmm. I like the disconnect it is from like the first knives out. Yeah. Where like, you know what? If I saw this if I didn't see the original knives out and I just saw this instead, I'd be I'd still be very happy, I feel like. Mm. It makes a lot of sense to me. It and it's a very different turn from how the original knives out is too.
0: It's, it's also like really interesting because it is like specifically a pandemic film, which um I remember like right in the middle of the pandemic, people were just like, we should never like talk about the pandemic and like address like what it's like living here. And people who make like films about this are kind of exploiting it. And to like, to some extent, I can sort of see that. But also, like, I really like that people looked at this like period of history and instead of ignoring it, we're just like, this is what it's like. And and Glass Onion is a really interesting look at, like, life during the pandemic and what was happening and stuff like that. And I like it. I like I like watching a film and seeing masks. I'm like, yes, they're doing it. And, like, being able to tell what kind of character is, is, like, you can tell a lot about a character by the way they wear their mask or don't wear their mask. And he's just like, oh, it's so frustrating. As a person who used to work in retail, I had to tell people to put on masks. But, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a really good, good, good good film i also i really liked like watching with my friends and just like pausing it and just being like what is happening like is this what's happening and we like we literally like pause it for like 20 minutes as we theorize and like talk about what could happen and it was just such a joy like i watched that and i'm like we gotta watch more detective things and just kind of like enjoy that feeling like it's it's similar to what i feel with like Pentiment and stuff like that mm-hmm. it's like
1: detective stories are great and yeah it's so good i watched it a second time while at work the other day too and i was just so happy like yeah just you pay more attention on the second run and you get i to gotta everything. i gotta
0: i gotta do that next yeah i had something else i wanted to say but i forgot what it was so tell me something let's move on to the next next fun little segment uh, uh,
1: what, what tabletop RPGs have we been checking out? I was going to say, I've been in a very mech mood recently, so, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of digging through emotional mecha jam on itch.io, and, uh, I found an old, uh, one that I actually got with a bundle at one point called, a uh, Live, Love, Die by, uh, Razor. And Live, Love, Die is, uh, a Memories of Mecha Love in which you are... All the players at the table are a AI-enabled who are either humanoid, militarized, and a robot. And you are a mech, and you fall in love with your pilot. You explore the different memories of the mech as they are confronted with a choice during each battle. And it is hmm. a GM-less game where you need some dice, and you answer prompts around the table. Hmm. Um... Depending on how many players you have at the table. It can be played with like one person by themselves or be played with four people. So I might be looking at this for a solo game at some point in the future. Yeah. But uh it's my favorite size of a PDF, which is four pages. Yeah. <laughs> but uh it sets you up with a variety of questions. It gives you a chance to roll dice to see uh what your answer would be if you don't really mm. want to choose something. But uh, you get to go into your details, you get to talk about uh, what you are as a mech, and yeah. then you talk about the pilot who caught your attention and uh, what you do for him. And then you relive your memories and go through a whole bunch of different scenes, which eventually leads you to your choice that you make. And I haven't yet played it, but it feels like a nice short game, like maybe two hours at most, if you play by yourself, three to four hours, you play with a full table. But yeah. it's a fascinating little game. It's really cute. Well, not cute, but it's a, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It's deeply sad. It's very sad. It's very emotional, and it's a mecha, and also has jam.
0: It is. It is. It, it is an emotional mech jam, you might say. Um. Uh. Do just related to this. Do you know a game called Beyond Reach?
1: Beyond Reach. Yes, that sounds familiar. Hold on.
0: Uh, it's by uh, Annie Johnson Glick. Um, and, uh, she basically wrote a game, which is like this, except that one player, it's like a two player game, uh, that's like epistolary. So you write letters to one another. One person plays as the mech, one person plays as the pilot. And it's, it's genius as a design, where it's, it's basically like you write one sentence to show to, like, you have a prompt, um, you basically write all your thoughts in like a letter. And then you write one sentence to just to describe how you show it. Like, if a mech is moving sluggishly or a mech is sort of moving quickly. Um, and then the player kind of, like, the 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 pilot kind of responds to that and that kind of thing. And then, it, you know, you switch turns. And no one reads the letters until the end of the game, w- in which you, like, roll one dice to determine whether one of you dies, both of you die, or none of you die. And um, make a really good actual play, I feel like. Um, but yeah, Live, Love, Die also looks incredible, and I like this- I like the idea of falling in love with a mech, it's very funny, it's mm-hmm. like- it's so sad, <laughs> uh, but it's it's a very good drama. So this sounds really cool. I think, uh, speaking- I mean, do you have anything else you'd like to say about 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 Live, Love, Die? Memories of Mecha Love, Remember?
1: That's just the main thing, is it- I like good short games, and honestly, this kind of scratches my itch uh, for just good prompts and good dialogue options where you can talk to people uh, through very dramatic storytelling. Um, Yeah, I I guess, like, speaking of mechs, uh, you also
0: ran a game of Beam Saber um, for a bunch of people with the... Huntsman's Hydra. Huntsman's Hydra group. I always I'm bad with names for some reason, and that was great. I played in that as as a as a time traveler, um, which is one of the one of the classes, um, one of the fan made classes, mm-hmm. and that was just so so much of a joy. It's like we're, we're talking about Austin. We're talking to Austin Water. Uh, Walker. No, no, Austin, Austin Ramsey. Austin Walker. Austin we're talking Ramsey. To Austin... <laughs> i I think I'm tired. and That's why I'm messing up names all the time. Extremely big apologies. All
1: good, all good.
0: But yeah, I played I played um I think it's the Looper. Is the mm-hmm. name of the playbook? Yep,
1: that's the name of your playbook. You played the Looper. And uh Which is so fun. Once I had set y'all up on your mission, mm-hmm. um you shot you shot bullets into the air yeah. for a while. <laughs> Caught so, everyone's so- attention. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was very funny. It was cuz
0: cuz like the the mission was um that was it was I mean, again, I feel like I've played Beam Saber before. I might not have. It might be a thing that I only really listened to actual plays of it. But like it's such a quick game and so fun and so quick and easy to play. Um and the abilities are always just so evocative and so fun. And this one uh, the looper is time travel thing and one of the pieces of equipment you have uh, is the, um, I called it Chekhov's Gun, but I think it is called Chromunition or something like that? Mm -hmm. I want to quickly... Patent pending. What is it? No, it's, it's Chrono, it's It's something like 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 that. Chronomission or or something like that. Chronomition, and it's like even jokes that is kind of a silly name that's kind of in, in, in development. What is it? Hold on. Give me two seconds. Time
1: munition. Time munition. We're still working on the
0: on the branding. And so I basically like was on top of a building. I shot a gun in the middle of this parade because we were working security. And then I could just decide when it landed. And that was just such a fun thing. It was it was it was great. Um, I think one of the things with uh this this playbook is it takes longer to do because after I do a roll, I can I can flash back to give myself bonus die and I get like extra bonus dies. If if I use whatever the consequence is in my new role. And it was so fun. It was just such a joy to like to do and to mess around and to do all these these fun time. And I was awful, I think. I think I tried to kill somebody. No, you did. You murdered somebody. I someone. did kill somebody. Yeah. Yeah, because there were because I was thinking of I was thinking of Dragon Ball Z and Trunks and about like, what if I could kill Cell before Cell became bad? And I got to sort of role play that in a mech setting, and that was that was great. It was really fun playing um, with Jamie,
1: mm-hmm. Jamie and Pulsar. Yeah, but I was like, I was like, <laughs> Jamie was very close to killing me, which is very fun. It was really funny. I was just like, I'm just gonna let this play out now. I'm just gonna shut the fuck up. Uh, yeah, I did, of course, do the thing of just like, hey, we're about to do a murder. Is everyone cool if a murder yeah, yeah, happens? Yeah.
0: I think you were just, like, you, you suggested the thing that I was going to do. Like, you said, like, what if we do this scene? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, always, I already wanted to do that. And that was fun. And, and, and Commander Pulsar played my dad, and that was very fun. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed but that game.
1: I have, and I think I've mentioned this before, either on the show or somewhere else, but I have done the thing mm-hmm. I've always done, which is I fucked myself. What, in what way? By joining too many projects all at once. Yeah, I know it well. But, like, once everything clears up, I definitely want to, like, slow down, take it a little bit easy on myself. And uh, I do want to get more, like, tabletop games and just, like, mm. run, like, some nice short campaigns for a few things, you know? It, you were
0: you were incredible at running that game. Um, I genuinely enjoyed how you did it and how you responded to things. Like, I think we said in a previous episode that you really understand, like, Forge the Dark games, and it, it 100% showed. It was such a joy to play um thank you so yeah i would let me invite me to that <laughs> if, you're, if you're doing more games i will but also i th- i 100 sympathize because like everyone in that i know who is working in the tabletop space is doing too many things at, at once myself included and i think we later speak with often austin-, austin ramsey about this and it's so interesting it's like this weird gig worker thing where it's like, the jobs we do, I find I really enjoy them. Some of them I don't, but some of them I really do. But it's, like, it's
1: it's so hard saying no and just be like... It really is. Especially when something, like, you're really passionate about and you really care for. It's hard for mm-hmm. me to be like, nah, I'm gonna pass on this one. It's like, no, I want to do this because it's cool, it's fun, and I'm excited for it. Like, it's yeah. so hard to say no. I mean, especially,
0: like like if you wanted to sit down and run a beam saver campaign, that's a lot of work. Mm. I know how how fucking much work goes into, like, a Blaze the Dark campaign. It's not something you can just sit down and do. And it sucks, because, like, it's so much fun to play. It's so much fun to build that and to sort of, like, do that. But it's, it's also very mentally taxing and such like that. But, man, that was a good game. It was really fun. Um, I'm sad we didn't record it, but also, like, it's a lot of fun recording, like playing a game and then it's just there. It's just done. Mm-hmm. No one's ever going to see it again. You just have the memories from it. And that is fun. And I like that. And it was so much fun playing with, with Commander Pulsar and Jamie.
1: Thank you. Really enjoyed. that. Yeah. No, I, I, I really want to like get everyone involved in another game uh of that soon. Mm. I definitely want to run an Armourster Advent game sometime in the yeah. near future, just because it, that one runs very interesting because like the the mechanics behind it are extremely fascinating and just a different breed compared to uh, Forge in the Dark, but at the same time kind of mm. borrows those ideas of it, especially with the B plot mechanics. And yep. I I wanna be able to showcase that and get people go, okay, wait, hold on. So this does like the Blades and Dark flashback thing, but it has these kind of different mechanical effects or da-da-da-da-da.
0: I'm so curious about it. Again, it's something I haven't checked out yet, but I'm just like, every time I hear something about it, I'm like, oh, that'd be really cool. I should read that. And I haven't yet.
1: Please do. It's especially because- uh, Big fan kind of briar. 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 One, Briar is really fucking cool. Uh, mm. You should follow their work on itch.io over at uh, wheregazelle.itch.io. But uh, also on top of that, like, it's just got like a lot of love and care. It's very much like it's anime. In the same way we all say hmm. that Beam Saber is anime in a little bit. It's anime. It's fuck.
0: Um, so yeah, um, I guess I guess the other game that I've been checking out, because although it was Christmas and we had a full month, um, I threw myself into a big project. Surprise, surprise. And um that big project is is the one of the games that I wrote that surprisingly. Went off really popularly. It's kind of it's like uh, the time of writing. I think it's like I mean it it's sort of hovering around like the top eight most pop most popular physical game on itch. Um, so that's a thing that exists, and it's very strange to me because like I have been doing game design and releasing stuff for about six months, and it is weird to see a game launch off and and make big things like make big waves like my game did. Um. The game is is Apocalypse Road Trip, um, which is a hack of um of As the Sun Forever Sets, and uh, to some degree also also uh, Beam Saber. Um, I stole a bunch of mechanics from from Beam Saber because Beam Saber is very good and very smart. Um, and yeah, it is basically a game like the the pitch that I've been saying for no real reason is uh it is a game about driving a red convertible down a kaiju alien and infested highway um so it is it is it is it is that um it is very inspired by a lot of um video games such as uh um overland which is a really fun game where you can play as a dog and similarly my game you can also play as a dog um but also things like somerville uh which is a recent game which i didn't like that much in the end but really had a very evocative post-apocalyptic um sort of setting where it's just a guy it's it's a dad rushing to save his family and I don't care about the dad bit but it's a really fun way of sort of exploring the way you know what happens when an alien sort of time people arrive and shake things up and like the way that it impacts like family life and stuff like that um and so yeah similarly um uh, apocalypse road trip is just about normal people who sort of see the world end um, and then still have shit they have to do. Like, <laughs> they have to go find their family. They have to do, like, the War of the Worlds thing. Um.
1: I don't know why I expect you to say they still have to go to their job.
0: Some of them do. Like, like, one of the big inspirations for me was, was, uh, BPRD. There's, like, one specific BPRD, Hell on Earth, uh, which is a Hellboy spin-off, uh, which focuses on a person who works at a Starbucks as, like, after, like, a kaiju just walks straight through a city, and, like, half the city is, like, covered with these, this strange fungus, and this guy who works this shitty, like, shitty Starbucks job is living in that part of town and has to walk over and do a checkpoint every day, um, and then, like, Hellboy, well, not Hellboy, but, like, all these people from the BPRD show up, and, like, to destroy this kaiju is just standing still, and sort of explores, like, what a day in the life is for someone in the middle of this apocalypse. Um, and it's really fun. It's like, it's, it's really fun to have a chance to write a game that allows those kind of stories. Like, um, the, the stats are basically like traits you have, uh, taking inspiration from As a sum Forever Set. So you don't have a list of stats, like, like Blaze in the Dark. It's just like, what, what is a trait that you have? Like, if you have a job, oh. like, oh, I was a salesman or I worked at a coffee shop. Like, what's a trait you have from doing that? And it could be like, patience. Um, And like, you know, very, how did you interact with the the post-apocalypse and such like that? And that can also give you a trait. Um, And it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. It's sort of interesting to sort of see normal people as opposed to adventurers sort of moving through this place. Um, And I also like made sure I did like my usual thing of just like, oh, you can do fucking whatever you want. Do you want to play as an alien? So you can play like, as like a defected member of the, the, the alien space invaders, we're kind of like the Star Trek people that just like come here to like, re- like fix all of Earth's problems and integrate them into a-, a vast federation and whatnot. Um, and so yeah, you can play as an alien. You can play as a dog. Is one of my <laughs> one of my things that I wanted to make sure you were able to do. You can play as one of the kaiju, or oh, not, not the kaiju. Sorry, you can play as a cryptid, um, and which is really fun. Like the the idea in my head is just like the sound monster in um a a quiet place like you could just play as a friendly one of those or an unfriendly one of those um and yeah and you also get like weird technology that you can just like pick up and use like you can have a shrink ray and however that works is however it works i've kept the rules quite loose just so you can feel free to mess things up Mm. um and it's great i'm really i'm really incredibly proud of that um incredibly proud of how it's done and it it is unfortunately 34 pages which which i worked hard to keep it short it's not unfortunately the the golden zone of four pages but
1: uh, you know um, i will forgive you
0: <laughs> i appreciate that um a lot of it is actually like a bunch i did at the end of the book i was just like i kind of i really got to nail what like what kaiju and what the military and what aliens are like in the setting so i just did a bunch of like Almost like uh, SCP style short little little vignettes of just like people talking about like what it's like to live in this thing, uh, live in this weird world and like see things happen. And so a lot of the page count is kind of that. A lot of the page count is also like rules and such, but it's, it's designed to be very sort of easy to pick up and like almost like a response to As the Sun Forever sets, which I love. But it, it it is it is a complicated game. it is a game that is like somewhat intimidating with all this thing. Um, having said that I still think as a sun forever sets is the better game I do love my game but I think as the sun forever sets has a lot of stuff in it that is just like worth sitting down and honestly like reading through in order to like figure out what's like what's an open world for to the dark game which which as a sun Forever sets absolutely nails. Um, it also has like interesting innovations like events. Um, which is like things that happen before you are able to find a place to rest or able to, um, travel like like random encounters and such. Which bizarrely, like feel like they take inspiration from, um, what are they called? Uh, Fallout from mm-hmm. from uh, Fallout games. What uh, are they called? Resistance uh, games. Sparked by resistance. There we go. Sparked by resistance games. I'm terrible with names today. Um, and it's it's so interesting to see like something like that, just thrown in something completely different context and, and the writing, like the, the short stories in, in as some Trevor sets and stuff are just great, really interesting ways of describing technology and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun working on this game just because it's been reading a lot of games that I really like and thinking about them and thinking about how to adapt them and how to like make my own weird little version of it um and yeah it's it's done incredibly well again like at the at its at its peak that i've seen it was the top eight most popular game on itch um so everyone make your game occasionally shit like that happens and it's great
1: (laughs) you might you might actually have like a giant monster attack your town you don't know who
0: knows hopefully
1: go ahead make your game now do it but yeah no um and just to remind folks again that is as the sun forever sets the martian calamity by riley daniels and you can find that riley daniels as hyphen the sun forever sets which is incredible just put a hyphen between every space and you'll find it
0: i have actually one of my fun things is i've provided links to a lot of things in my both in the book itself like i have i have like a lot of touchstones um and also on my itch page some of them link to the games other things linked to little silly jokes that I did. Like I think at one point I mention um at one punch I mentioned that one of my uh my big touchstones is Station Eleven, which is a great book. Really enjoyed the book, have not seen the series. Um, but the link in there is actually to a Jack DeKeat uh tweet. <laughs> Which is, which is, <laughs> uh, Jack to keep, uh, tweeted in 2017. Anyway, read Station 11 by Emily St. John Mandel, the story Naughty Dog wishes so hard they could tell and never will, because that's what sold me on that book. And so, similarly, there's a bunch of, if you click through the links, which I'm imagining not many people would because you can just Google it, um, there's a bunch of funny little in jokes if you go through that. So, as a, a benefit for people who own the game, um uh, i think there's still actually some community copies available not many they're going away quickly um but yeah a lot of funny links here and there in the in the in the touchstones so be sure to check them out um and yeah that's been that's been my month my month off around christmas has been i gotta quickly sit down and write a whole rpg and it was meant to be much smaller like it's gonna be like oh just write something short and see how it goes and it ended up being my biggest project um in many ways and i'm incredibly proud of it so please check out apocalypse road trip which is minelenehan.itch.io slash apocalypse road trip or something like that um and yeah a bunch Mm -hmm. of my games are also on sale so if you'd like to check them out feel free and again if you want any of my games for free just send me an email at minelenehan at at, at gmail.com i'll just do that whatever um and yeah that's 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 what i've been up to that's what i've been checking out
1: so going back to our mech, uh, mech discussion earlier, I also checked out Apocalypse Frame by Binary Star Games, which is a illuminated by Lumen system uh, based off of Gila RPGs, like light RPG uh, system design. And this is a mecha game very much in the same way, like Battletech, mm-hmm. Armored Core, Chrome Hounds, if people know what that one is. But uh, I went back, did another read through this, a two-year-old game at this point. It is not in the sweet spot for four pages. It is actually uh, 32 pages. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I like is seven of those pages are enemy types and it breaks down like their traits and then what type of enemies there are and then gives you a few examples of just different type of enemies you would run into. Mm-hmm. And the whole premise of this is uh, there was a foreign disease that came from the stars or a foreign object. It uh, became known as the Infection and destroyed and terraformed much of the world. So now, similar to how Armored Core works in their story, if you keep track of the narrative in that, somehow. (laughs) Somehow. uh, The Republic is a militaristic regime that is trying to create uh, legitimacy to themselves. But they develop these uh, mechs called Frames. That's where, you know, Apocalypse Frame Mm, comes from. Some
0: kind of mobile frame.
1: Yeah, basically. And those are piloted by aces who are also are able to pilot these frames. Uh, The Republic, of course, being a uh, national dictatorship regime, militaristic and all that, of course, had a rebel uprising come up called Mm. the Collective. And they took over a frame production factory that uh, was stranded for a time by the infection and decided to make their own little society and you play as an ace who is there to support the collective and to strike back at the republic it's a fairly interesting game it uses uh the three attributes and a d6 system Mm -hmm. it is a fairly crunchy game and uh is it interesting i it's another it's very interesting i love that it gives you like example models of just what different mechs look like and what type they mm-hmm. are. And very similar to how in Armored Core you customize and build according to each conflict you go into. You can look at all these uh design frames and you can pick something that would work towards your what type mm-hmm. you would like. And uh they all come like their own different systems. Uh it's a little bit less like Lancer in that you don't really get to customize your mech so much. It's also interesting because they use a map as well. Hmm. You use a hex grid so again, uh, similar to actually multiple games that we've been talking about today. Now it's like Rune. It's like Rune. It's like Rune. It's like Rune. It's like, Rune. It's like uh, As the Sun Forever sets. Yeah. It's like Lancer. Hexes, I, I, I tell you, the next but ten years are gonna have a lot of hexes in them. Warhammer forty k is coming out, and that's or, or uh, gaining popularity is gonna have so many hexes. Yeah, yeah, little learn gain in Warhammer. I think it's a uh, interesting in that. This game is definitely could easily be run in just like a single session, but at the mm-hmm. same time, i I want to see how it runs as a campaign. I don't know if I've actually seen an actual play of this so Great. far.
0: I, I know they they have a video on there on their itch page.
1: Yeah. Um, oh wait,
0: is that a that's an intro? My mistake.
1: Well, no, they do have expansions coming out here, and I don't think the Effective World is an actual play, but it's definitely a supplement that f- fills in more and provides like a good base for a campaign too Hmm. so again my list of games i need to fucking play has continued to grow (laughs) in a frustrating manner now let
0: me tell you something that i have learned from hearing a bunch of of tabletop rpg journalists talk about is that none of them have time to play their damn games some of them are very lucky too but a lot of the time it is just reading unfortunately
2: Mm -hmm. but
0: having said that i would love to play this game it looks really fun
1: I still want to play apocalyptic road trip. Wow, I cannot speak anymore. I have talked too much today.
0: We have been recording for two hours on, on various little
1: things. So yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. It it's a very interesting game and like hmm. I I'm very excited to see more Lumen games come out. I would like to be able to work more on them and just like get a clearer idea of how these systems run. And just hmm. you know. We, we have a charity event coming up in one of our Discord groups. Maybe this is one of the games that I'll try to push to showcase. But, yeah. you know, it's also going to depend on if I can, uh, how comfortable the rest of the table is with the game, too. Because, you know. It's about disease and mechs. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that too. I mean, I feel like the mechs will get a pass. But yeah, the disease a little bit harder to uh, bring out. Maybe that's when the supplements come in. I'm not sure yet, but. Yeah. Well,
0: make sure yeah. you have enough time to rest as well. Because don't don't make yourself do too many things at once, even though it's a lot of fun to do. Make sure you're taking a break as well.
1: Marley, I promise nothing. Yeah, promise of course. promise nothing. My advice, which you can ignore, is to take a break. I also got invited by a friend of mine to go to Gen Con as well oh, uh, no. in August. So I'm like... Well, at least you'll get sick then,
0: because everyone gets sick at those kind of things.
1: Everyone gets sick at Gen Con. You can't afford the con sickness.
0: Yes. We lost an episode once, or we lost a week of episode editing time, but yes. Mm.
1: Take it easy. (laughs) I promise nothing, I can't even make that promise to my own fiance. You should try (laughs) to do
0: (laughs) it. That's like a goal for next year or something. I don't
1: know. But yes,
0: uh, speaking of mechs, uh, we'll probably run over to our main segment now. Uh, which is a really fun interview with um, Austin Ramsey. And yeah, it's a really good talk. I recommend having a listen. We talk about a whole bunch of things and also about about overworking and also about like being incredibly productive and about like sort of exploring the different ideas we sort of play through. So feel free to have a listen to that one. It's really fun. And I'll speak to you on the other side. Mm -hmm. All right. And uh, now on to our main segment where we have a uh, fun interview with um, Austin Ramsey. Hello! Hello, Austin! Hello! Greetings! Uh, uh, for, for people who aren't aware, um, please
2: introduce yourself. Hi everyone, I'm Austin Ramsey. Uh, my pronouns are he and him. I'm a tabletop role playing game designer, uh, best known for Beam Saber, a Forged in the Dark game, about pilots of powerful machines in a war that consumes every aspect of life. I've also done a couple of different actual play podcasts. First, You Don't Meet in an Inn, which ran from 2014 to 2022, which was about uh, exploring obscure tabletop role playing games with a rotating cast. And uh, I've done live streams as well on Twitch. And uh, yeah, just general tabletop role playing game stuff. And also the the Cenotaph. Am I saying that right? Yeah, that was a beam saber actual play that I did. That was a it was a stream, and then I was gonna make it into a podcast, but various other priorities mean that the it's it's extremely out of date, and so it's fallen by the wayside for a variety of reasons at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I remember that's actually I think that was actually how I found not an uh, you don't meet an in was hearing about the cenotaph because I think that was back when beam saber. Had been shortly set up and was about to be released and playtest at that point. I think it was like 2018. I think was that mm. at the time you first released Beam Saber on itch. Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was looking at like the release date for it, and it's technically
0: last year <laughs> because like that's the where 1.0 came out. Yeah, that's but, when the yeah. full
1: release came out. But you know, yeah. Um. Uh. So you you ran a uh, really, ooh, a long-running, fantastic uh, podcast. Uh, please go check out <laughs> Not an in. It is still up on Apple Podcasts. It's still happening it in my feed as well. You don't mean an in, for yes? Yeah. <laughs> you don't mean an N. Not
0: an N is your is your
2: Twitter, right? That it is. Yeah. Not an N.
1: Uh, that will also be down in the show notes below. Yes. But like, I have like a general idea of how you came about Beam Saber, just because it's we can see like all the touchstones very visibly. But when did you really start, like, coming up that idea? When did you start building up that system overall? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so I think I officially started it in the summer of 2017 okay. um, or around there. And shortly before that, I played a game of Firebrands with a couple of friends and nothing against Firebrands, but it's not really my cup of tea. Um, but yeah. it did reignite my love of mechs. Um, in a way that, you know, I've I've always been a fan of mechs for a long time, but it had gone dormant in spite of Friends at the Table's best efforts. And so we played that and for whatever reason it just like fired up my brain into mech mode, and I haven't uh left that mode uh much to the chagrin of some of my friends. Uh... What? <laughs> How dare they? They're not real friends if they're not supporting Beam Saber. <laughs> no, no, no. Every, everyone supports Beam Saber. It's just, yeah. uh, you know, not everyone wants to hear about mechs all the time.
1: <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be in a giant robot anymore. Can't I just be a giant person. No, you must be a mech. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I played played that game of Firebrands, and then at kick-started me into uh thinking about mechs and you know started to put some real actual effort into what it would be if i uh made it but i mean it's my third swing at making a mech tabletop role-playing game and this one finally yeah. stuck i i, I really
0: want to just talk about your previous things because i have like your itch page open one thing i really like is how like like diverse, or like the ideas are. Mm-hmm. Like, um, for instance, there's Adrian altered uh, creature heroes, which feels like it, is that like a relic of when there was a Twitter about like all the different titles that have the same rhythm of of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or is that just like you love you love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and want to make a thing about it?
2: That I mean, that title is absolutely. You know, obviously playing on the the, the mm. vocal rhythms of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but the actual idea for the game that I wanted was to make something that was like, what if what if Honey Heist was a bit crunchier? Yeah. And so that's that's the design principle that I came at that particular game at. That's the angle I took.
0: Mm -hmm. that's very cool and then like there's also there's one that is inspired by ghostbusters one that is or the end of ghostbusters one that is inspired by miami vice and i'm just like i i'm really i'm very intrigued by like the the sort of like the different sort of weird angles you sort of like hit at and just like weird like bits of media that just like i want to respond to this and do this thing before you, like, went to Beam Saber.
2: Well, I actually, the way the way that my itch store is laid out is actually Beam Saber's at the top, but it is actually the oldest game on my itch page. Really? Yes. Okay. The, the next oldest game is Tomb of the Gods, which is the one inspired by the climax of Ghostbusters that you mentioned. Which yeah.
1: is ah. <laughs> very funny. <laughs> I was actually uh, looking back at the pack, which I think, I remember seeing that a few years back, but I think it was... Over in the uh, Roll Plus Bond server, I saw, but I'm really loving the look of the best around, specifically the guy in the the uh, NASCAR outfit stirring a bowl of what looks like uh porridge. <laughs> Wait, what?
0: I didn't While pick the other that up. Guy I
1: honestly <laughs> has boxing gloves on as playing a a guitar and it's just shirtless but also burnt at the same time. I love them. <laughs> So are all these things like you were
0: working on Beam Saber, and because it's such like a long-winding process, you were just like, I gotta try something else. I gotta like, I gotta do the <laughs> the baking competition game, um, and that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. So usually, what happens is, um, I'll get like, I I you know keep a, a Google Doc open of um RPG ideas that I have, mm. and some of them get like more fleshed out some of them remain a single note in that document that who knows maybe someday i'll go back to it uh Mm. and occasionally i just enter i i I say jokingly that i enter a fugue state and then just knock out a game in like a week by working on it constantly and so that's how most of those games came to be (laughs) is i had some idea and then just could not get rid of it until i actually finished the game so just burned through them (laughs) and knocked them out and put them up yeah i i knew that well so yeah they generally just come from a singular idea that then has me asking questions about what that idea how would it be done and that leads to more questions and answering those leads to more and so forth and so on until eventually i've got all the questions answered and a game is done
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I'm probably the least experienced game designer here because I'm looking at one person who recently released their game and one who is making a mega actual play of about. You also recently released the game. Also (laughs) released their game back in September of 2022. So yeah, how long ago was that for three months? Three months? Yes, I can count. Yeah. But it's interesting, especially when you like keep trying to find questions and find all those answers because. I still remember getting that like very early version of a beam saber and checking out the spreadsheet for that. I remember back then it had the uh, both the pilot and the vehicle had their own stress meter and how different mm-hmm. that felt trying to uh uh break the mechanics of that game. And I remember at that point it was a little bit harder to kind of stress out entirely, but now we have quirks involved uh, vehicle quirks that are utilized can you talk a, a bit more about like some of these design changes? Like, I know Marley, you have some of your own questions too. Like, how that, how these ideas came about, or was there a recommendation by like one of your playtesters when he did that?
2: Yeah, well, fuel fuel specifically actually did is, is something that came out of play testing. Was I went to um, a convention that's local to me called ProtoTo, uh, which is all about people bringing in their games for uh, playtesting at this convention that's all it is is only playtesting games um and i was one of three people there with a tabletop role-playing game everyone else there had board games and (laughs) that weird pariah status (laughs) yeah it was it was kind of strange because there's also like industry people there so like Mm -hmm. there's the possibility of actually getting picked up by a publisher at this event one of the board games there that that weekend actually did get picked up by a publisher. Oh wow. Um, which was kind of neat. Yeah, so I I ran I think I think I only did one playtesting session. Um actually, uh, I don't know if you two know them, but Sniper Serpent, who's sort yes. of in this yes, inner circles, they were actually one of my playtesters for at this event.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah. Big fan of Sniper Seven, <laughs> really good designer in there. And right. like I played um, Anomaly Containment Breach. If I'm Anomaly part- Containment Breach,
2: see, so, yeah, I got I got feedback at ProtoTo that um, the vehicles felt good except for fuel because it was kind of too similar to Stress and didn't really have much characterization. And uh, so that that's where quirks came out of was from the recommendations from that particular event, but a lot of the other changes were things that either I thought would be neat additions like the rival mechanics. Cause mm. I was using blades in the dark as a base and that does have like allies and rivals in it in a very um, cursory fashion.
1: Yeah. Uh, just so
2: that mm. there's a, a sense of a social network amongst, between the players and NPCs. Uh, but as many people who have uh, consumed mecha media know, rivals are like a whole thing in the genre. And so I felt the need to not only flesh flesh out the idea of rivals, but also make them more mechanically impactful. Um, and so that's where rival moves come from. Uh, and then some of it was just feedback over time. Like, uh, originally, be, I didn't... I felt Beam Saber didn't... It wouldn't be suitable for Beam Saber to have just coin, or whatever sci-fi hmm. equivalent you wanted to call it. Credits, presumably. Um, that, that Blades in the Dark has. And so I initially went hog wild, and there was nine different resource types. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can
0: see that. How terrible a game would that be <laughs> if do you do you still know them? What are they? Oh, For who I, like...
2: I could not tell you all of them off from the top of my head, but some of them were like there was fuel, there was ammo, there was intel, there was medicine, uh, there was R and R. Oh no, uh, that's five. Uh, There's four more. Yeah, oh, that's I, amazing. I can't remember all of oh, them. That's very funny. I think oh, cash, cash was one.
1: I can't believe you're trying to make a art like a real-time strategy game with a tabletop game. Because <laughs> all that resource management. I mean, it's it's very tempting. Like
0: you were mentioning before that you had honey heist. You're like, you know what's wrong with this? It's not crunchy enough, which is <laughs> a very funny impulse, and one that I absolutely understand.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely have like war gaming in uh in my history. Mm-hmm. You know, I played 40k for a long time and Warhammer fantasy as well and I have a deep interest in like the other games workshop skirmish games like Necromunda and Blood Bowl without having mm-hmm. had an opportunity to actually play them aside from the um computer game versions of them that have come out in the last couple of years and now I'm now I'm playing BattleTech <laughs> uh, the tabletop yeah. game that's uh I'm big into that of late um so yeah, I do have this tendency towards uh crunch, even if I don't have like a particularly strong interest in trying to solve balance problems. <laughs> I just yeah. I like how additional crunch, you know, that creates both opportunities and restrictions, and those opportunities allow you to differentiate um between characters that are similar. My favorite example of this is Fantasy Craft, which is a D twenty game. Uh, so rip to them with the OGL changes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But they're they're in, they're an extremely detailed third edition D anD D offshoot, uh, where the differences between like characters of the same class can be quite strong just based upon the type of weapon they use with each mm-hmm. um, like. And it's not just that each weapon has its own, uh, like, ability chain, but they also do really interesting sort of um, almost narrative mechanic type stuff. Like the the first... first uh, the basic level of the knife ability, in addition to some other stuff, it also lets you count as always being armed with any knives that are on you. So yeah. you, like, are... Uh, it, that has some like interesting mechanical consequences, but yeah. it's obviously a lot of work to sort that stuff out, and I don't always have the uh, uh, wherewithal to go through with it, so I sort of end up in this weird middle ground of story games and crunch, and hence Beam Saber.
0: I feel like, because uh, b- before, um, at the, I think the end of the year or something, uh, Cole actually ran like a session of, of Beam Saber um and one of the things i found was just like how it had like that really fine like like the ability of coming up with your own quirks the ability of coming up with your own like stats and building up your own characters um but it was just so quick like um i remember speaking to cole about it and cole can speak to this more but um cole says this is like the game that they feel that they can really
1: like they can play it like they know it in their heart. Uh, Cole, yeah. please. It's- yeah. Well, like a big experience around that, though, is I do like if you ask me what my favorite system to play or run around in, it's going to be Fortune in the Dark. Like, I love mm. that it's a built in mechanic to break the game with long term projects and figure out how to do that. It's built in to have flashbacks and spend that stress like even quirks and such like that's. That's not something to be protected. That's something to just expend and use, and deal with the consequences of it later. Because you might get a better payout if you spend that and push your character a little bit harder. Like I still have the running joke in my Blades in the Dark group of I'm speed running to four trauma the entire (laughs) time, and you know playing a spider. It's really easy to do that because every opportunity is a chance to help someone out, and that's you're playing into your character too.
0: Yeah, it's like so many resources to spend, and you always feel like so encouraged to spend them rather than take any consequences
1: (laughs) and then of course we have that supplement that came out of uh the the conflict the i was about to say conflict turn i'm like no that's a different game the growing conflict there we go (laughs) (laughs) conflict turn it's armor (laughs) stir.
0: also another one which is rush wars which i really like but anyway please continue but yeah uh,
1: the growing (laughs) conflict you know especially focuses more on like managing and uh working with factions and how to uh dictate mission objectives through that what these factions want to do is also a big part of uh, the upcoming project you have coming as well CollapseCon, which is very huge and has been announced on indiegogo but not launched yet if i remember correctly
2: that is correct yeah I've, i've talked a bit about it on social media not i should honestly probably be talking about it more but there's not a whole lot to see at the moment because it's just the uh preview page uh, yeah. for the campaign hasn't launched yet, hopefully launching it in uh, February or March, depending upon how things come together. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, it's also like Twitter is dying, and it's such a stressful period of time to be planning a thing like this, and just be like, oh, yeah. oh hey everybody, this mm-hmm. is happening, uh, do I share it here, do I share it on CoHost? do I share it on Mastodon?
2: He- Share it everywhere. That's my plan.
1: Yeah. Do I dare go back to Tumblr? <laughs> Do I dare? I, I'm there. <laughs> yeah, I am there too. Sadly, <laughs> Nah, I like Tumblr. It's fine. No, not for me. Um, it's fine. Yeah, I guess. Like, uh,
0: uh, tell us, tell us about uh, Kalazkon. I don't know if I'm saying that right.
2: Uh, Kalazkon. Kalazkon. Yes. So uh, Kalazkon is a mega game actual play series that. I'm in the process of developing uh, the cast has been selected. We've got two editors on uh, on staff already lined up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the setting is made, and the uh, the the players are working their way through their character and squad creation stuff because what this is is it is, as I said, a mega game, which traditionally occurs at conventions where you have the opportunity to have a bunch of uh, players, like dozens of players, interacting with each other indirectly. Uh, The example Mm -hmm. I usually go to is a game called uh, Watch the Skies, which is about an alien invasion that comes to Earth. And so you have one group of players playing the aliens, and several other groups of players playing different nations of Earth. And each each group has its own personal goals, uh, mm-hmm. but then there are also goals uh, across... like af- Effectively, the United Nations has a goal regarding the aliens, but then each individual nation has a goal that they want to try to accomplish. And of course, the aliens have a goal about trying to conquer the world. And so it's a matter of... Can the oh my God. the can, can all the various groups you know manage to work together to fend off the aliens while they're also trying to get their own desires fulfilled or will their clashing amongst themselves allow the aliens to to uh, achieve victory and so that occurs over uh, i'm not sure if it's one day or over a whole weekend um I've never actually played it myself I just you know know of it. Um, and I use that example because I think it's useful for understanding KalisCon, Khan, because KalisCon Khan is going to be about a democratic, federated systems military force, which has come to a planet to, uh, quote unquote, liberate it from the autocratic government that controls it. Uh, and after a couple of years of this grueling struggle, On the eve of victory, of the final conflict, uh, the convention, Kaliscon, arrives and assaults both sides because it is a nomadic, corporatocratic convention full of obsessive fans. Um, Oh no. And so they, they come crashing in and choose the the city that was presumably going to be the final battle as the site for their convention, and so they occupy it. Okay. Yes. uh, (laughs) And turn the entire occupied city into one big convention. Um, And the locals and the the democratic would-be conquerors are both thrown onto the back foot as a fresh, zealous, militant force arrives. Um, And that is where the players of this mega-game actual play come in, because they're going to be playing uh, the members of one of the squads in the Democratic faction um, and be conducting missions on behalf of the DFS, the Democratic Federated Systems. What those missions be, however, are going to be determined by the uh, inter interconnected rules uh, nature or like side of things for this game uh, because being a democracy, each squad is going to have a politician who represents them in the democratic legislature and so between missions, those politicians are going to vote on an overall strategy and then also specific missions as well. And so they have their own goals in mind, and each squad has its own goals, and the faction has its own goals. And so we shall see whether the politicians' personal drives interfere or obstruct with the goals of the faction at large, the squad they're supposed to represent, other squads... And how those squads support and obstruct each other and the faction at large. It's just going to be a whole big, uh, messy plate of spaghetti of desires.
0: Oh my god. A quick clarifying question. Who plays the politicians? Is this, like, a GM thing? Or is this, like, the players all act together as this politician? Or is it something else entirely?
2: Yeah, it's, uh... So each each group consists of four pilots that will and a GM who will play a traditional beam saber campaign. Uh, well, sort of traditional. It's gonna it's gonna represent re, it's going to resemble beam saber, uh, but then they, each squad also has a player who's going to be playing a politician in these legislative sessions, and so they'll all get together once per cycle to uh, hash things out politically and decide what the big picture is for the faction going forward into the next cycle of missions. It sounds so
0: complicated. This is going to be a nightmare to run. It's like, how many GMs was it? There are five
2: GMs. Five GMs, good lord. (laughs) Yes, so... Why have you done this? It's five GMs, (laughs) 20 players, five politicians, and then I'm... Taking as two editors. Yes, plus myself. I'm taking as small a role as possible um, because I am, you know, directing this project behind the scenes. So my only on-screen presence is going to be as the Speaker of the House for the political sessions because those are the most experimental rules-wise. So I figure it's good if I'm immediately on hand. Uh, But I'm going to try and take as much of a backseat as possible during those sessions and just do what a speaker of the house does and control the uh formal procedures of the legislature as opposed to actually trying to influence things
1: just out of curiosity for role play re- like reasons do you fully expect like the legislature to get into arguments with each other and uh talk over each other and you know have to do the thing <laughs> of, of like the gentleman has to sit down
2: <laughs> uh i don't know i haven't actually so i i thought about looking into how actual uh parliaments handle that sort of thing presumably i would probably look at um canada's federal parliament since that's the political system i'm most familiar with being canadian um which does have uh some jeering which i have been told is not a a how the u.s does it um no it's changing
1: it <laughs> seems like most recently I, but yeah it took 15 votes to get a speaker of the house because yeah i've been watching the political situation stateside and it being yeah. a united states citizen it's been hilarious to watch but also
2: God, concerning damn. deeply depressing <laughs>
0: Um, I mean, this has never been a better time for this show specifically. A <laughs>
1: yeah, show somehow is going to predict the future. Yeah, <laughs> Apollo's waiting with a giant gl- glowing ball of the sun, waiting to throw it right at Austin. Yeah, <laughs> and all the uh, GMs.
2: So yeah, the um, I don't I don't have like especially strict rules at this time for how to handle uh, uh, interruptions. We'll say. Um, but the way the, the simplest mechanical explanation for how it's going to work, because I have written out the rules for the legislator, but they're admittedly a bit dry to uh, talk about because they're very uh, bare bones for just uh, the purposes of the project. Um, but each politician is going to have two effectively downtime activities and the activities they can do are horse trading and speech giving. Um, (laughs) okay and so speech giving is you know the monologue at the rest of the politicians in the legislature to try and make their case to everyone um and then uh that that's that's it they you know they make their case as best they can The let the politicians don't have any like mechanical stats um they do have drives that is sort of the extent of their Mm mechanics uh in terms of things they can take advantage of so it's really on the players heads to uh see how good of a speech they can give um and then the other action is horse trading which is when two of the politicians have a scene together uh and they trade resources for votes just straight up um they can give uh, resources that are supposed to go to their squad, to the other squad, the other politician's squad, in exchange for votes in the coming, uh, in, in the, the next vote that's coming up. Um, and so in the next time that their squad is supposed to get resources after the end of a mission, they will get a penalty to their resource role. Um, <laughs> because, because their oh politician, uh, effectively, you know, um, gave a bribe to get votes passed in the legislature uh, and or impacts the people yeah oh or God. vice versa where you know you give away a vote in exchange for resources and so your squad will get extra dice on their resource roll in the next mission
1: oh i love that
2: austin you're the thing
0: that you know about about being about blaze of the dark in this kind of system Is that these kind of dramas, where it's like, have a positive thing, but it'll cost you a lot. Like, you know how to, like, twist the knife in a really great way as a designer. (laughs) And I really, really, really like that. I just want to say.
2: (laughs) This is... Also, just to uh, add, there is another way for politicians to get additional votes. Um, Well, there's two other ways. One is that the number of votes that each politician has is equal to their squad's tier. So, if the squad oh. is able to increase their tier, then their politician will get an additional vote. Um, <laughs>
1: wow. um, I, and, I don't know why I really expected you to say assassination. Just assassinate your competition, yeah. you'll get more votes. <laughs> yeah, I way. also, my brain did go
0: there, there's an additional rule, you can kill anybody. But I guess that's just what the beam saving people do.
1: Yeah,
2: um, well, I mean, long-term oh projects can break the rules. Uh, yeah. But the the other thing is that the politicians have drives. Like traditional hmm. beam saber characters uh, and so when they fill up th- those drive clocks function much like they do for um beam saber pilots where you know you spend hmm. two of them you can change the circumstances for a single character spend three change the circumstances for a squad spend fourth change the circumstances for a faction um, but they can spend a one to get one extra vote Place oh, wherever no. they want it, and they can do that <laughs> after the vote has everyone else's votes have already been cast. Oh, god! Uh, so they can pursue their own personal ends, whatever those may be, through their drives to try and um, uh, uh, get extra votes. But of course, they get their drives fulfilled by largely by the actions. That the pilots take during their missions, Um, and so they can cast votes to try and get squads other than their own assigned to goals that will fulfill their personal drives.
1: Mm.
0: Hmm.
2: It's it's so amazing you just invented a
0: whole political system
2: for your game. That
0: is just (laughs) you invented democracy for your game. This is amazing. (laughs) Oh, um. (laughs) i just need to process this cole if you have any questions please. Uh,
1: yeah no so (laughs) so we every every pilot has their own playbook as well too were there any unexpected playbooks that people asked for at all because i imagine like we have you know the general ones and um i'm in the server as well so i know some of the growing conflict playbooks are in there um were there any unexpected playbook options that you're like oh People pick this one. Oh, maybe we can make this work. (laughs) So, yes
2: and no. No, because one of my goals with this was I realized that between the core rule book and growing conflict, there are twenty pilot playbooks, and with five squads and four pilots each, that's twenty pilots. So, one of my goals was to make sure that there are no overlapping pilot playbooks. Uh, and that has been achieved. It took took a couple hours of uh, sorting the the every every player's uh, preferences for pilot playbooks, um, but I managed it uh, eventually. Um,
1: <laughs> Keyword. <laughs>
2: oh god. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's no overlaps in pilot playbooks. There's one of everything from the core and growing conflict rule books. Um. Mm. So, But no Dracula? No Dracula, no. Damn. I needed to... (laughs) So so, uh, for those who don't know, I released a Beam Saber pilot playbook supplement that's just on its own that is the Dracula for if you want to play Dracula in a coffin mech, um, which was inspired by realizing that Dracula is public domain. Uh, Um,
0: Oh god, I forgot about that. (laughs)
2: Uh, so yeah there's there's one pilot playbook of everything. uh the things that surprised me were the playbooks that were uh, less popular. like I think the Ace and the soldier were sort of lower on people like I asked I asked all the players for f- their five preferred pilot playbooks. Um, mm-hmm. and those I think were two of the ones that didn't generally appear in any particular player's top three I could be mm-hmm. wrong about that because I'm not looking at the spreadsheet I made um, but I do recall that they were generally uh, lower whereas there was always at least one person who had any of the other weirder playbooks near the top like I, I think the, the bureaucrat is a really good example um for the weird playbooks because in my experience the, people have one of two reactions to it which is why is this a playbook or they have the reaction <laughs> of uh this is fucking amazing why why doesn't yeah. every game have this um, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know we can uh extrapolate from that that the other weird playbooks like The Hive or The Forewarned or The Wielder are going to have people that have similar reactions. And indeed, that was the case. You know, So every single mm-hmm. playbook has someone playing it, uh, which I'm really excited about because I haven't seen all of these in play, admittedly.
1: My God. I'm very excited, especially with The Hive. There are definitely some from The Growing Conflict. When The Growing Conflict came out, I just immediately went to The Captain playbook. That was, like, my first go-to, honestly, because if you give me a chance to make more NPCs, I'm going to make as many ridiculous games (laughs) to get the other pilots to say them out loud. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure
0: if we've, 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 we might have already talked this in the main episode because we haven't recorded that yet, but it's worth saying that, Cole, you're in this, right? Yeah. You're in this game.
1: I am in this game. (laughs) I am playing one of the squads, um, and I really love the playbook I'm playing. I can't. Oh, God, I'm very you're, excited you're,
2: to. It's not a, it's not needed to be a secret. You're welcome to talk about your oh, yeah, pilot
1: no. and squad if you want. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah so I was going to double check. Like, we could also mute this out if the the, the
1: captain's going to be a big reveal or something. But yeah, please read. I yeah. am not playing a captain. I'm actually playing the rookie. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, OK. We do have a captain in my squad, though. Um, That's good. Uh, I don't. I don't want to reveal everything about our squad, so <laughs> overall, we are playing the Redacted. <laughs> We're playing the Redacted. That's the big thing. I'm not going to say yeah. what our base of operations looks like. I'm not going to say what exactly we are, and I'm not going to say who our uh, superior officer is, because it's, <laughs> God, <laughs> the concept is hilarious. Uh, just like cool. the entire conversation from that was fantastic. But um, the actual between- I next. Oh,
0: go ahead. Quickly uh, can I quickly ask you a question about it? Why did you go with 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 the rookie playbook? What what was what was your top thing? Like what was the process of of coming up with a character for this
1: for this game? For you. Haha. So now that you have big interview. (laughs) So for me, the rookie playbook, I it was one of my options. I need to check and see uh which one uh where is my application? If I can find my application, I can tell you the other options I had. Here we go. Uh, so number one was rookie. Number two was the captain. Number three was scout. Number four was officer, and number five was hacker. Okay. But uh, the reason why I, I like the rookies so much is it's a very fun playbook to basically play the saddest, poor little motherfucker <laughs> you can. Yeah. Like at baseline, that's what I wanted. I it's a uh, whenever I think about. Uh, the rookie. I just think, like, you know, they are definitely just getting tossed into a mess. They are underprepared. They don't really know what to say. I, my drive clock, my uh drive specifically for this character is to hold on. Let me make sure I get, say it right. Uh, beam saber. I should have pulled up my character sheet from earlier. We this kind of
0: sprung up on you. This is me being me being cheeky as I often do.
1: There it is. There is a master sheet, but for the rookie particular, I made the drive clock of uh convince my parents I'll be okay. Oh, and the whole backstory behind that is I leaned a little bit onto my uh, my own personal experience of like still struggling to find a job I like and yeah. switching between like a whole bunch of hospitality and food service stuff and being recommended by my parents to hey why not join the military your grandfather did. And then explained to my parents, well, I worked in the mental health care system, and we had a lot of VAs, so I'm not yeah. joining. The, I'm not joining the military. Yeah, but uh, you know, this being the care, the version where like, okay, I do join the military. You did go, yeah, and now all of a sudden I'm in a black ops group. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, happy happy ending. You'll get it. It's happy endings <laughs> all the way. Hooray. <laughs> um uh, so i think i think we're getting to the end uh, uh cole did you have a question about before i before i went
1: off on the other things uh i did have a different question but since we're getting a little bit closer to the end uh first mm-hmm. of all i do want to say thank you so much for joining us for this austin this was absolutely amazing to have you on and be able to sit down and talk with you some more uh i think my closing question though before we start stretching the outro part of this uh, what was the very first Gundam you watched? Because I know my answer is as a kid, I watched G Gundam <laughs> onto Nami. And, uh, you know, Shining Finger was like the one thing me and my friends shouted out at each other every now and then because <laughs> we all turned into giant fucking anime nerds.
2: Oh, well, my first so my first exposure to Gundam was actually my dad, uh, bringing home, uh, uh, original Gundam. original Gundam model kit when I was like I don't know I probably would have been like four or something, um, and I I remember it because it had the core fighter and that could come out from the the tops the the upper body and the legs, um, but I don't think my dad had ever seen he he was not the anime type he I don't think he'd ever seen an episode of Gundam in his entire life. Um, but- he just liked building models. Uh, mm. so that was my first exposure to Gundam was, uh, a, a, a gun kit from the like very early nineties. Um, but actually watching Gundam was a uh, wing Gundam on, uh, I mean, I didn't watch it on Toonami cause we didn't have that in Canada, mm-hmm. but on, uh, TV when I was in middle school. And let me tell you that show is... A real mixed bag. I've watched it,
1: you know, recent, <laughs> it...
2: recently in the last couple of years. Actually, I think I've watched it three times since I started uh, writing Beam Saber in 2017. Yeah, um, six years ago. And it's, five. yeah, it's it's a real mixed bag that all ultimately comes out kind of mediocre. Um, mm-hmm. But when you are in, like, eighth grade, let me, and, like, are really desperate for serialized narrative that shit hits hard um and so i absolutely loved gundam wing uh and you know that put me on the path for uh watching gundam for the rest of my life i suppose
1: i'm just remembering wing gundam cuz i watched that again last year cuz i had vague like middle school memories of seeing that like put it up with uh watching i think inuyasha and yu yu Hakusho yep. show on late t uh when like Cartoon Network stopped running and Adult Swim started running, that's where that came out.
2: Yep, I watched um. a lot of Inuyasha as well <laughs> at that at that <laughs> time point
1: period. Yeah. What about you, Marley? Did you have you watched Gundam uh, at a young age or?
0: I think one of the things with this show that I'm rapidly finding out is I have never seen an anime. <laughs> I have seen like things like when I was a kid, I watched like some Pokemon, didn't really get into it, and like a lot of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Um, but yeah, my first, my first Gundam was like a couple episodes of Gundam zero and I really like it. It's a really, really strong opening where they're just like, hi, we're divine being. We're going to make world peace by blowing up anybody who resists us. And I'm like, that's a strong pitch. And I think that would make a really cool crew in like a blaze in the dark or beam saber or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, um, no, I remain completely amazed and bemused anytime anyone talks about the stuff that happens in a Gundam. It seems really interesting.
2: Well, I will say that uh, Gundam Witch from Mercury, which is the the season one finale, just aired recently, is a great place to jump on.
0: Mm. Yeah, Cole has been
2: recommending.
1: That. Oh, it, <laughs> it's so fucking. It's very fascinating, and especially without getting into spoilers, the ending. Uh, the ending kind of just hit really hard. And I'm... Well, don't spoil it. What if it's... What was I was hoping for a mediocre ending.
0: God,
1: God. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, uh, you know, number one, don't go on Twitter or Tumblr and uh, search for that because definitely people have spoiled it that way. I... Mm. I just don't understand them yet, which is great. Yeah. Uh, Definitely watch Witch and Mercury. And Iron Blooded Orphans. Orphan still had a lot of fun stuff going Mm. on, in too. That was, like, one of the newer Gundams I got to watch. That's one of the ones that I know about. Yeah. I still need to... I need to find a a way to watch war in the pocket while i'm at work specifically <laughs> cuz yeah. i have a very boring job and the only way i get by is watching tv like that's why i got back into wrestling yeah God. um yeah i
0: don't know I, I as my final question um i suppose it is it is going back to like the 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 running theme of here's a thing make it more complicated um and 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 it's still really fun. Um, it is, it is, like, after this, like, I know this is, you're just gonna launch into this, this, uh, Kalazcon, Kale, Kalescon, I still don't know how to pronounce it, I forgot. <laughs> Kalezcon. Um, what, what is next? Is this, is this going to be leading into, like, a new phase of, like, Beam Saber, or have you got, like, you know, smaller projects mm-hmm. plan, or are you gonna do, like, the next, you know, uh,
1: what's, what's next? Are you taking a nap after this? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> well, Kaliscon. uh I mean due to the scale of it like it's going to so I I put very strict controls on how long it's going to go. It's going to be five missions, four downtime sessions and one final epilogue. Uh plus four um or five sec- legislative sessions in there. Um But, for so for the from the player side of things, that's going to be a relatively quick campaign because you know even if they are having a session every two weeks, that's you know ten sessions that's five months worth of play if things go as planned and go smoothly for recording, uh, which you know probably won't. You know, it's hard enough to get a group together uh, when it's just five people, let alone 30. Um, so but once once that's done uh, and we're going to be editing it, each session is going to break down into two episodes. Uh, and each squad, of course, will have been recording 10 sessions a apiece. Uh, hmm. So I'm like Kala's is going to be getting released for like two years weekly. Yeah. After like, well after recording finishes. Uh, so that is going to be in my life for the near future. <laughs> um, but as for other projects, aside from Kala's con, um, there's another beam saber supplement that I've been sitting on for a while. It's actually a full campaign But I've been, it's actually been finished for a couple years now at this point. But I want to release it with cover art. And unfortunately, it's just been like this series of uh, uh, slapstick esque uh, problems that have prevented me from getting said cover art. Because either, you know, like the artist I want is busy, or, you know, I change artists because. An artist is too busy and won't, and is busy for the foreseeable future. And then something comes up with that person, or I have to hold on onto my funds for something else. It's been frustrating to have it delayed uh, for so long. Um, mm-hmm. But that that is, you know, like coming out theoretically soon. Um, as soon as I get that cover art uh yeah whenever that might end up being um <laughs> there's another i actually wrote another spindle wheel game um Ooh, oh. a month or two ago uh based on a story i saw on tumblr um and so once the layout for that is done i'll be releasing that
1: I can't wait for that to release, so I can point it and be like, "I know exactly what Tumblr story you're with, you were looking at when you wrote this." <laughs> Spider's Georg is here, and
2: <laughs> ah, yes. Um, and then I've uh, I've picked, teamed up with a web creator to make a tabletop, Forge in the Dark game based on his web comic, Ooh, um, which okay. is in some early stage development. Uh, and then I've got two other table, oh like big God. tabletop role playing games that have been back <laughs> um for a while now, which I want to get back to because I'm interested in, you know, finishing them. Uh, and they're doing interesting variations on Forged in the Dark. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I like I said, I have a big, and then of course I always have a big full document full of notes and ideas. So who knows when I'll. Uh, you know, go unconscious and wake up a week later with another finished <laughs> game based on yeah. one of those. If <laughs> you stay, it's been six years, you've made another beep save, like, oh no!
1: <laughs> crushed yeah. cans of Diet yeah. Coke and Celsius laid across the desk. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and and I do at some point eventually want to do maybe, well, maybe, a Kickstarter campaign for growing conflict to get it a, a print version, but that is, like, yeah a ways off. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is a lot of things. I thought you were going to be like, oh, I just have one little thing
0: going. Like, nope. There's so many things. So that's v- all very, extremely excited for that. Well, yeah, the, the thing I about- I get a
2: break as well. <laughs> the thing about Beam Saber having been going on for so long is that mm. there's a lot of periods where I don't really have anything to work on on beam saver because the text is done and it's at an editor or at layout or i'm waiting on art or what have you and so i fill my time with other things and those projects end up in a semi-finished state that i can go back to at any time and tinker a bit more with and so that's how i end up with all of these things and then they
0: are waiting for art, and then you do other things to do that, and you just have so much time from that. Exactly. So that's, I mean, that's all extremely exciting. Uh, be sure to follow you on Twitter at...
2: At in not N-O-T-A-N-I-N-N. I'm also on co-host and Mastodon at Austin Ramsey yes. Games. That's uh, also where I'm at on Tumblr. Um, yes. And on Twitch, I'm you yeah. underscore don't underscore meet underscore in underscore an underscore in.
0: <laughs> uh, that's very funny. <laughs> I like that they could be that long. It's very cool.
2: And uh, if you want to follow what's happening with calliscon if you go to tinyurl.com slash that's C-A-L-A-Z-C-O-N that'll take you right to the Indiegogo page where uh, you can sign up to be notified when the page goes live.
0: Yeah, I can't believe you got that URL. That's a very exclusive one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, so so uh, thanks so much for talking with us. It's been an absolute joy. Yeah, thank you so much.
2: Been a pleasure to be here.
0: And, and congrats on the, the 2022 Dice Breaker Tabletop Awards People's Choice Awards, oh, yeah. which I think I mentioned briefly, but that was just incredible to see. That's all the trophy when you posted it. Yeah, you got a trophy. I didn't see the trophy. That's really cool. <laughs> or like a plaque
2: or no, it, it is it is a trophy. It is hefty. Hold on, I could I could definitely brain someone with it.
1: <laughs> wow, it, and it's sent from England. Yep, <laughs> it's listed as an unusual weapon in uh, your gear. Oh, there it is.
0: <laughs> That's very cool.
1: So yes, so congrats, on that, uh, congrats,
0: congrats for that, and 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 good luck with CallersCon. Thanks. All right. Welcome back to the to the to the present, not to the past. Past for y'all, present for us. Yes, I'm Australians to time zones. Um I, so to, to to finish off the, the podcast, let's do let's do some some rounds of shout-outs. Cole, what would you like to shout out?
1: Uh so the big thing I do want to shout out is um if you go onto Twitter over to all the witches underscore, mm-hmm. there's actually a game that is uh getting ready for launch and you can actually get notified of it launching uh on kickstarter this is run by a friend of mine who is also a cast member over at huntsman's hydra uh -hmm. their name is rue and i believe rue is the uh project manager for this if i remember correctly or at least helping set up the kickstarter actually or it could be the designer but my main point with this is All the Witches is a original tabletop RPG game with deck building mechanics, exploring the diversity of witches in a fantasy world. Uh, Think like very magical school, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Little Witch Academia kind of style, uh, a whole variety of different characters. And I'm very excited to learn more about this. I might actually even reach out to Rue to learn more if possible, mm. if Zira up to it. But we will see. But yeah, it is a really cool looking game if you check that out on Twitter. And then once you do, make sure you go to that uh, tweet as well and get notified about the Kickstarter so you can follow up and learn more about that too. When
0: is that coming out? When is that launching?
1: Uh, That's a great question. I should know the answer. But I don't remember everything good because my brain sucks.
0: Uh, I had it open as well. Because like I've been seeing like a bunch like the this a bunch of people are working towards making a lot of witch games currently, which I think might be a fun reaction to a very popular um book series that is run by an absolutely awful person um mm-hmm. that is potentially coming out I think around February. So mm-hmm. that is very interesting. I like the fact that there are a lot of um a lot of alternative projects which everyone may check out if they wish to potentially boycott a specific video game that exists. Um, (laughs) So yeah, be sure to check that out if that comes out in February. But otherwise, keep an eye on a a bunch of other really cool witch products if you wish to experience the joy and nostalgia of some kind of wizard school um, uh, but not support a turf. So yes. (laughs) Um, And to be very clear on the show, uh, fuck turfs. Yeah, fucked us Absolutely. Trans rights are human rights.
1: Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else have you been checking out? Uh, what else have I been checking out? I mean, I've been bit. Unsurprisingly, I have been busy. Yeah. Uh, we uh, had all-star weekend over at minor league esports. So I got to commentate and cast again. And mm-hmm. uh, I did two. Uh, I did two spots on Saturday and two spots on Sunday uh, for uh, two different leagues. I've had a lot of work with, and that was a ton of fun. I'm really happy to be back in the casting booth uh, shouting folks once again, and I cannot Mm -hmm. wait to do more. And streams are still going strong. Uh, Tuesdays, I will still be playing Soma, which I'll be announcing on my Twitter at Ice Cold Brew. And uh, I might be playing every other Thursday now. I have a recording on Thursdays, which will cut my streaming time. So, you know, every other week will be uh, a Thursday stream. And then the uh, other, other week, it might be a different day. I'm still trying to figure out when I'm going to do that. If I'm going to do that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I'm I'm being requested to, uh, after we finish SOMA, to start playing Resident Evil Village. So I will be grinding through that at some point.
0: Yeah, have you played uh seven? I have not actually. Seventh's better. I mean, I like Village. I just had issues with the ending that frustrates me to this to no end. But I think vi- uh, Village is really great. But it is way more scary. Um, I uh,
1: yeah, yeah. There's definitely one part. So it'd be the second time I've gone through that game because technically I played it with uh my fiance on hmm. her channel at one point. Okay. But um
0: oh, Seven?
1: Yeah. Uh Village. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not Biohazard, but Village. Yeah. But uh she played it through on a uh friend's uh computer just to play the game and she's beaten it once and uh that was a hilarious time where yeah. there were a lot of really good jokes and I kinda wish I saved the VODs for them, but I skipped yeah. out on that on accident.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, there's, there's always the memories.
1: Oh yeah, we may repeat the jokes, and people will never know where they came from, so they'll be fresh and new.
0: That's the joy. That's like that's just rehearsal. That's that's part mm-hmm. of the. It's part of it's great way of doing it, <laughs> making content. Just just say stuff in real life and then repeat it on the podcast, which I do sometimes. Um, I suppose I'll I'll quickly shout out um a bunch of projects by by Nick Duff, which I've been seeing come up. Uh firstly, there's been an update to Blood Clot, which is a game I play tested. Mm. Um in which uh basically there is let me see the update. I'm gonna read the information very quickly. I haven't had a chance to check it out, unfortunately. Um, but there's been a, a, a pretty big update with um new classes, um, including um what's it the cultivator, I believe. Um, and the Nurseteer, which is a cross between a nurse and a puppeteer, and it has a bunch of weird Australian kids' TV jokes in it, and it's very funny. It, it references Mr. Squiggle, the man from the moon whose nose is a pencil, and so I'm just like, hell yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> do check that out. That's really fun. Um, and also, uh, Nick also uh, released, I think a little while ago, which um, a game called This World Too Many uh, Summons Too Many Heroes. Um, there's like mm-hmm. three kind of things coming on their ways, there's the Goddess, Dungeon Tower, and Season of the Sage, uh, which is very anime kind of stuff. It's like an Isekai fantasy stuff with just yeah. like incredible anime art. Um, it's also Lumen. We're going back to that theme. Um, and so, yeah, so that, that's, that's something that I, I think is really worth having a look at and, and checking out. And yeah, uh, uh, besides that, I'll, I'll obviously shout out Beam Saber. Uh, thanks to thanks to Austin for, for coming on the show. It's very 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 good of you, um, and also uh, uh, Rayleigh Daniels for helping uh, inspiring me to make my first incredibly big game, um, a big project rather than the little, little silly little things I've been releasing. Patrols are also pretty good, um. So shout out to them and a, a bunch of all the other people I I I mentioned in like the touchstones for apocalypse road trip, um, because literally this game would not in like part of my process is like going through and seeing what inspires me and reading through them and having them into hand is, is such a, such a benefit. And like doing this show especially has been hugely influential on the kind of stuff that I've been working on. Um, and honestly, like I would not have had out half these games if I had not sat down and played this game. And so shout out to this podcast and, and to you call for, for being along <laughs> with me on this, on this weird little
1: journey we've been doing. It's been a fun journey. Yeah, and with that, we are ending the podcast. We are not ending the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Please do not no. take that for serious. Uh, this is. Goodbye. I've got at least like no. a couple more years in me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, no, that's a, that was a surprise to me. I was like, oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> All my tables of RPG stuff is gonna fall by the way. So I need this. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, I can't think of anything else to shout out. I'll, I'll I'll pass over to you if you have any final ones, but. Yeah, um, it is. It is very good to have a, a big break and a bunch of fun games that came out. So
1: yes, yeah. No, um, I'm just excited for what this year is going to be bringing up. Especially because this is the first recorded uh podcast of the year for us. Yeah, and uh, you know, new a lot of uh heated tabletop RPG news on the horizon. Yeah. Um, God
0: damn, D
1: and D's doing stuff, huh? Isn't that a oh, thing that they're doing? Uh, yep. I'm. I'm gonna. You know. I'm clued into the channels, I'm going to listen yeah. to what I hear, but I'm not going to say anything official until I see the actual paperwork, and then I'm yeah. going to immediately flip over to a contract specialist lawyer and be like, hey, can you explain this shit to me?
0: Yeah. There has never been a better time to not play D&D, everybody, so check out a bunch of games that we've been talking about. Um, and and support people who are transitioning over from D&D to other things, of which there's many. Um, and yeah uh uh this was inside the table the table of rpg talk show uh, <laughs> and thanks very much for listening i was molly you can follow me uh at minor i called lenahan on twitter and minor hyphen lenahan on co-host and all my links at linktour.ee slash minor uh and my pronouns are he slash him and today i was joined as always by cole hello hello
1: i am cole it's nice called cool Brews, where you can follow me at on co Host Twitter and Tumblr and Instagram. And my pronouns are he, him, they, them. I don't know, know what kind of voice I'm doing at this point in time. Who are you?
0: Get out of here. Get out of the recording studio. Let's we recording studio. Regular call. Come over here. we got to oh, tell yeah, you, media. Um... get rid of this weird troll that's over here. <coughs> Spit <Spend> him out.
1: <laughs> Anyways. Did you do it? But yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, you can follow me in the shit I just said that <laughs> my doppelganger just yelled at you for. Thank you. Get out of here. We little
0: little weirdo. Uh <laughs> uh you can follow this tw- this podcast on Twitter at Inside the Table and on co-host at inside the table. Review on Apple Podcast. Again, all the links are on Link Trees. So linktr.ee, wait. LinkTude.e slash inside the table i believe the thing is um and there's lots of handy links there um if you have any questions please send your questions in to inside the table at gmail.com um no spam emails this week which is good um but yeah feel free to send one in if you have any questions or you have any suggestions for cool tabletop RPGs to check out um and yeah if you enjoyed this podcast recommend it to a mech probably that came out a lot today if you pilot a mech, recommend it to your AI. Yeah. And you know what? But, Tell them how you feel. Mm-hmm. It's nearly Valentine's Day. It won't hurt. You know?
1: There's nothing wrong with telling your mech that you love them as much as they love you. Give them a little kiss. Why not? Just a little smooch, just like in Pat Labor.
0: Yeah. What? In Pat Labor?
1: Yeah. Who's that? Is that a politician? No, that's a uh, anime. That's a old school anime. Uh, I Pat watched Pat Labor at one point. Yeah, it's an anime about cops pil- piloting uh robot mechs because apparently cops need robot mechs, giant mm. like two stories tall mechs. A cab but give them mechs, why not? No, don't do that. <laughs> don't actually no. <laughs> if there's someone who hey, can right, make please. the decision to give cops mech, don't don't please. Don't do this. Don't, don't do, do this. that. They well, already have robot dogs. You we know, don't Yeah, we don't need more things to worry about.
0: Ugh. Anyway, uh, every day is five-star Friday here at Inside the Table. If there's a game you like, go ahead and give you a five, g- if you, give the game a five-star rating. Um, and yeah, uh, with that being said, uh, I'll, I'll see you, see you all later. Goodbye, everybody. Come
2: Goodbye! Goodbye!
1: Let's go, Vaminos. Everybody, let's go! I know that we can do it if you put your mind to it. Where #not are we going sponsored. To the end of the show. Is that a Where thing? When we get there,
0: yeah. Is this a brand thing you're singing? It's Door to the Explorer. Oh, right. I thought it was Vamino's Pest Control, which was in Breaking Bad season five. So it's completely different vibes. I was going. I was thinking of there. But yeah, shout outs to Dora, our sponsor for this episode. No.
1: <laughs> also, yell at me to watch the new Puss in Boots movie. I've heard it's good. I've heard it's really good. God, it's <laughs> it looks very good. I will talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: we'll come back to that. You can, you can, you can. If you have any opinions about Puss in Boots, uh, please please tell us, Austin, and we'll we'll try and include it in the questions. None. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case, I always double check every recording. <laughs>
2: Ask every interviewee if they have opinions yeah. on this
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never comes up. I'm very lucky there's a movie. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. okay. Oh, god, the the next Spider Man 2 after Miles Morales is coming out yeah. now and now it's gonna have Venom in it. I mean, not now, but like I saw tr- uh, previews of it on uh the PlayStation Store and it's gonna have Venom in it. It looks really good.
0: Sp- I can't Google Spider Man 2 apparently, uh, video game. Is it really called Marvel Spider Man 2 game? That's terrible branding. Oh no. So it's Marvel Spider Man 2. Not to be mistaken with Spider Man 2, brackets video game, or Spider Man 2, brackets movie. So that's fun. God. Why don't they just call it Two Spider Mans? Two Mans. Two Spiders, Two Mans. Like,
1: oh, what if they did a Fast and Furious? That'd be pretty good. God. What was it, something in Hobbes? Shaw and Hobbes? Yeah, Hobbes and Shaw. Yeah.
0: Do you think that Hobbes, from from Fast and Furious, is named after Thomas Hobbes, the English philosopher?
1: I think they just really like the name Hobbes, because it has two B's in it. Does the spelling, I
0: think, right? Hobbes and Shaw? I think so, yeah. Because Shaw is a poet, right? Bernard Shaw? Maybe this is like some weird literary reference, George Bernard Shaw. I don't know. I'm 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 seeing the Matrix here. I feel like I'm going through this. Mm-hmm.
1: We should do a show.
0: I don't know. I think I'm 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 I hit like a rich vein <laughs> with this Thomas Ho- Thomas Hobbes and George Bernard Shaw route. I think I might just continue with this for like thirty <laughs> minutes and just see how that goes. Have you ever Have you ever read? Uh, Bernard Shaw's- what was his play? I read one of his plays once, I think it was Don Juan. Don Juan
1: in Hell. Have you ever read Don Juan in Hell? I have not read Don Juan in Hell. I just wanted to read my copy of Master Margarita. Master Margarita. It is one of the books that, like, the, uh, writers of Disco Elysium took inspiration from. Mikhail
0: Bulgakov?
1: Yep. Seems cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I feel like one of the- I really like reading plays, I I learned that in in university, and, yeah, I really liked a lot of, um, what's that man? The man? The German? The German playwright man? Wrote really Uh, good plays?
1: uh, Shakespeare? No.
0: No. (laughs) The famous German Shakespeare, uh, no, um... (sighs) Listeners are just kicking themselves, they're just like... They're yelling it as loud as they can hear. We can't hear you, unfortunately. Uh, he did uh, the Three Penny Opera. He did... Uh, you know what? This is why we have Google. No, no, no. I am Googling it. I can't. I don't know how to go there.
1: Who wrote the Three Penny Opera? Well, the opera. Shot
0: has pretty teeth, dear. That one. You
1: know.
0: Uh, Bertolt Brecht. Bertolt Brecht. Big, big fan of that guy. Really fun writer. He's written some really fun plays that really kind of hold up. Um I read Mother Courage and Her Children, I think, and that was great. That's about a war profiteer. Um yeah. Very good. If you have one if I have one recommendation from this post show, it's to read Bertolt Brecht. He's
2: very fun. That that will be my my final thought on Hobbs and Shaw.